Hey guys, stick around after the episode to hear a sneak peek of Racism After Death, a new special feature from Purple Mountain Pods. everyone thank you for joining us on our uh, holiday special or holiday episode um happy hanukkah uh merry christmas um happy kwanzaa even though that doesn't start technically until after the day after the 25th happy solstice happy solstice happy december for those atheists out there happy december yeah Happy um, final month of 2020. Oh my God, thank God. We made it, guys. We made it. Celebrate in the streets. Yeah. Uh, this is Spark in the Valley. Um, I'm Julius. I'm Alex. I'm JP. And I'm Cody. And today uh, we have decided to kind of touch on a topic uh, that can sometimes be a bit of a I don't know contentious topic yeah absolutely it's kind of spurred on by some legislation that's in well it's passed the house and is now coming into the senate um so today we're going to discuss cannabis just having a (laughs) having like a I was about to say having a mature conversation around it. Yeah. Um, having a real conversation. Um, just having like an actual like. Well, just talking about different things that that impact our country involving cannabis mm-hmm. and in a lot of the misrepresentation mm-hmm. and also just the negative effects that we've had because of things like Reagan era war right. on drugs right. and things like that. Mm-hmm. This is kind of, we'll, we'll talk more about the legislation, um, around the cannabis and, and how it could be like a really revolutionary piece of legislation and why that is as well. So today we're going to talk about, I wanted to start with talking about the legislation that just passed the house, which was yes. a kind of revolutionary thing. Um, the house voted to decriminalize marijuana, uh, this week and actually a few republicans voted with it Mm -hmm. probably because they know that there's a lot of money involved here yeah and um republicans Republicans, you know everybody loves money that's the problem (laughs) that's a big problem in our politics everybody loves money um yeah would you say yourself like if that's the case and why isn't everybody on board like it could generate so much just well yeah money absolutely lobbyists yeah, there's so much that comes into it, though. And unfortunately, it's not expected to pass the Senate. I mean, maybe if we win the runoffs in Georgia, hey, Georgia there's a chance. Georgia. But there's such a slim chance of that happening. We can do it, though. Stacey Abrams, she's still got the billboards up. Yeah. She's yeah, and there's working. a chance. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, we didn't think that Biden would win. Georgia, y'all can Georgia. do this, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Make, but I think we also have to accept that probably a chunk of Republicans voted for Biden and they may not do the same for the Senate. You know, so I think that there's just we have to be, you know, cautiously optimistic about it, but still expect that maybe it's not going to go the way we want it to. 
Which is going to be a problem because the Senate being majority Republican means Mitch McConnell's still in charge, and that man is just the worst. Have you guys heard any um, ads? Uh, so I listen to Chattanooga radio stations uh-huh. at work because that's what I pick up. And there's all kinds of Senate ads. And then one of them will be like uh, like a smear campaign saying like the the left-wing extremist, whoever the candidate is, I don't remember the name, um, Warnocker um, wants, uh, but then they're like, they're, they're like, they're using really strong language, like extremist, uh, um, I think domestic terrorists they used. In one oh, wow. In an actual ad? Yeah. And then it's like, we're, uh, this is not affiliated with any um, campaign. This is a privately paid for ad. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> That's and then you'll crazy. hear one, and it'll be the Democratic candidate, and they'll be like, listen, I'm not here to smear anyone, but the things that they are saying are just not true. Just not basis. true. Right. Well, but that's good. Like, they know that those ads are being played, and they're and it's... That's and so they're sad. They have to waste that money. money. Just yeah. say, yeah. hey, that's not true. To, to really, it's, it's just confirming your own opinion that you hear, because you're hearing both perspectives. Yeah. There. Right. Yeah. God. Well, yeah. I will say... <laughs> That is one thing that I'm a little, that I've seen a lot of like misinformation about with this particular bill that's passed through the house to decriminalize uh, marijuana is that, or cannabis, we're trying to call it cannabis. Cannabis. Because now we, well, we'll get into it, but apparently marijuana is a racist term. So, um, so talking about uh, cannabis, the, the bill is passing for decriminalization, not legalization. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be legal. It would just be that, like, in New Orleans, it's decriminalized and, like, it's kind of up to the cops. So you get, you know, you get a ticket if you're black. <laughs> That's unfortunate, but true. true. Um, if you're white, they're just like, you can't smoke that on the street, you know, whatever. Um, but wow. it's, I know, it's terrible. And, but the idea is that it would then stop so many, um, incarcerations from happening mm-hmm. so and, and we'll get into the mass incarceration as well because that's that's a huge problem that's involved with with cannabis and this would expunge people's records which is huge um it would also uh provide like uh there's a tax involved which is a big part of the reason that a lot of the republicans were not on board there's like a tax a five percent excise tax um that would help fund those impacted by the war on drugs it would fund job training legal aid and seeking to expunge uh marijuana convictions and mentoring programs also it would expunge federal uh convictions dating to 1971 and or dating probably from 1971 is what i assume this mm-hmm. says too but I, mm-hmm. I would assume it's from 1971 um, and bars the denial of federal public benefits or security clearances on the basis of cannabis offenses. Wow. Um, of course, the tax has turned off a lot of Republicans, and but it would actually go really far in helping people who have been in prison for a really long time yeah. for something as simple as possession. And that would then be decriminalized. So we would let people out, I would assume. Yeah. And so it could be huge it could be but also like something i considered that they don't even talk about is like what about people who have felony charges for cannabis do they give them their voting rights back yeah i mean i would think you would restore their voting rights right it's probably a process you have to go through for that Uh, well there is there's a process for having your voting rights restored because they do they did that in florida right well they had to pass a ballot measure for that i think an amendment for that but 
then you there is a process you can go through where you apply and you like fill out paperwork mm-hmm. and you do all of that and they it, it's appealed in front of a court and all yeah. this kind of stuff to get your voting rights back yeah. most people are denied um another problem we have yeah. and that needs to be resolved yeah. but i would assume that if something were not a felony anymore wouldn't it negate that felony charge if the felony yeah. charge was just related to cannabis that's, like that's definitely you know a focus that should be a part of the conversation which is you know that's the hypocrisy of it right you know it's we like keep coming back are, to this theme yeah 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 just all these people making money off of it and all this other jazz yeah, all but, these rich white people well you know and, um, are they looking to like um an inmate who is in prison for something that would now be legal do they do they expunge their record, or is that what they would try to do, or would they just yeah. release them? Because they did break the law at the time, mm-hmm. so would it just completely get rid of? Well, this wants to expunge their records, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so if, if, like but only if it's it. in certain things. Like if you were manufacturing it, that's still illegal. If you were selling it, that's still illegal. So if you have over a certain amount, but there are people in jail who've been in jail for years and years and years because they were caught with a mm-hmm. joint on them. Like mm-hmm. not, we're not talking about pounds of cannabis that you're selling or whatever i mean that is illegal absolutely you know there should be uh uh uh, what's the word i'm looking for um punishment for that because they broke the law Mm -hmm. but if we're decriminalizing it and it's no longer considered for having simple possession because (laughs) it's it's kind of crazy i found some statistics on this um the something like uh 40% of all drug arrests are related to cannabis. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority, nearly 90% of those arrests were for simple possession, not sale or manufacture. In fact, there are more arrests for cannabis possession every year than for all violent crimes combined, which includes murder, rape, aggravated assault, and robbery. Yeah, and, and there's a counter to this argument, which is, you know, the jails aren't quote unquote full of nonviolent drug offenders. Yes. But the the reality of that is, you know, they were still arrested. It's still on the record. Right. Somebody, you know, who knows what their family went through when the raid happened and, you know, all these different factors that play into um, a community being affected by the war on drugs. Yeah. Just like that direct, you know, um, impact on lives sure i mean there's something extremely disproportionate about that right where you have you have states like something like uh oh so five states voted for decriminalization or legalization in some form um over this last election three of the five states voted for decriminalization or legalization like approved it and passed it and they were states that went to trump so you've got interesting like in mississippi they became the first state in in the deep south to legalize cannabis for medical use and that was 62 percent of voters approving a ballot measure in a state where trump won 58 percent of the vote so you're looking at like it is more popular than trump in mississippi yeah how crazy is that right yeah i mean it's i mean I i think it's just time to have that conversation it's time to and for me, it's, it's like we know, we, we see it, there's state by state is legalizing it, is um, allowing it recre- recreationally, uh, but there's still like this weird stigma to it, this weird like, like when Cody did his little, you know, that's like, mm-hmm. there's that's real though. It is real. You know, because yeah. when you bring that term up, 
Um, you We've know, just been taught as a society for so long that it's something to fear. That well, and there's a point, reason people, for that. Yeah, there's a reason. Is that it's it became a um, cudgel in the hands of racists. Yeah, because it was used as this term or this this you know this pastime or whatever that was only by degenerates and lowlights which usually translated to black and brown people and there's a lot of um like the story behind it is that it came from was it mexico mm-hmm. it was a lot of the mexican immigrants 1910 i believe it was a mexican revolution and you know many different i could be i just want to double check that but um a lot of immigrants were coming to the coastline, to Texas, to Louisiana, uh, and with them they brought that um, they brought that substance. And so, at the time, it was being called, or they would call it, uh, maguana. Um, and so, that was picked up by the you know jazz groups and you know different people going up towards Louisiana and uh, it was just something that you would you know come in contact with when you would go to these different events and go to these different um, you know parties and things and so Essentially, it had to be criminalized. Essentially, you know, they had to find something wrong with it because it was bringing so much joy, right? Right. Well, and there was also, there's also evidence that says that there were economic motives Mm -hmm. for suppressing hemp production, which I would imagine probably was related to cotton producers, Mm -hmm. majority white people, obviously, the people who are in charge of our politics and things like that. They would have had high stakes in cotton, and I imagine that hemp would have been a competitor for yeah, that. Yeah. And so there were also reasons for it to be outlawed because yeah. of that. Yeah. So there's several, it's a several, like many faceted reason for why it would be criminalized. But I think one of the biggest reasons is because black and brown people were smoking it, yeah. and they didn't like that. Yeah. And yeah. so, so, so while we- the white people are adopting it secretly, because we know that in this country, it's like it's pretty even for white versus black people who smoke cannabis. Like it's a pretty even number yet something like four times more likely that a black person is going to be put in jail for cannabis than a white person. And there was also that information um, from the, uh, the lumber uh, companies that um, there, there were like uh, tariffs that they were getting charged uh, because it was cheaper to, um, produce paper from hemp mm. and uh from lumber. oh so maybe that's who the yeah. economic interests were maybe yeah. it was lumber companies yeah, lumber not companies cotton. trying to sell mm. paper instead of like yeah. yeah i was thinking about hemp being used as rope yeah and yeah. things like that but yeah. actually that's really true i wasn't thinking about like pulp yeah. for paper yeah. huh interesting well um when was it actually uh, criminalized like it was i think it was 1936 36 okay i think it okay. was prohibited okay. then yeah and um, Henry Anslinger was the uh, I don't know, Secretary of, of uh, State, Secretary of Interior. Okay. Something like that. And he, you know, was quoted in front of Congress basically, you know, 
tearing just basically tearing the substance down and and yeah. attributing it to um, just just criminal behavior and right. you know and delegitimizing idiots. all of the things that scientists had already been studying yes, yes. I to mean, show that it had medicinal effects and yeah. things like that yeah. um, also like you know there's the issue of I guess prohibition for alcohol would have been around that time as well so they were probably just like still yeah. a little hurt over yeah. the prohibition of Absolutely. alcohol <laughs> Absolutely. what can we prohibit now Absolutely. you know um, but I guess you know the main thing that I, I wanted to focus on was the origination of um the term marijuana and how it was used to um, spark fear in so many people. Yeah. Um, uh, Enslinger basically needed a term that was scary and that he could use that sounded more foreign than cannabis. And so, you know, using the term marijuana um, was a way to give it like this kind of like uh, you know um, I don't know something that's just making it the menace yeah 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 something that's like, like a foreign menace foreign, yeah because yeah. if it sounds like it's from another country or something or it sounds like it's from Mexico mm -hmm. let's be honest that's mm -hmm. what it sounds like mm -hmm. it it then makes this like anti-immigrant sentiment because yeah. it's so easy to hate yeah. something that's associated with somebody you already hate mm -hmm. it just gives you another reason mm -hmm. like it's another bullet in the gun mm -hmm. You know, and that, so it's just another thing that you can, you know. We know white America and their bullets. Yeah. 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 They love them. So, you know, moving forward through time or through the, you know, the political timeline, uh, we get to the Nixon era. Um, and there is a crisis on our hands but it's not a cannabis crisis not a marijuana crisis it's an opioid crisis right are you talking about reagan reagan I, i'm Would sorry been reagan my right bad, my yeah. bad reagan yeah and he was the war on drugs right, right. yeah he's the war on drugs i apologize um and so they use cannabis i'm even trying to have to stop myself from saying the m-word yeah but they use cannabis as I like, like that, the m-word um as it's like a the M word. Nice. There you go. I like that. I like that. Uh, they use it to like pair it with this addictive issue or an addiction problem mm -hmm. um, that America had, which was op which was op opioids originally. Right. Um, and or really, what it's what it's grown into. Right. I mean, we are in the midst of an opioid crisis right, right now. Right. You know, and a lot of a lot of people will consider. Uh, you know the 70s an opioid crisis is oh, sure. like you know the crack epidemic crack epidemic it's yeah it's just like it's equal to the usage you know oh sure of 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 people right now um and it was just kind of like viewed a different way unfortunately uh but you know the fact that we c we don't have any um studies because it's been a schedule one drug for for, for so, so long. long yeah you know it's unfair for us to continue to um like monstrosize this yeah substance is, is cannabis um being illegal like a most of the world thing no i don't think so you said illegal yeah there are a lot of developed countries that have like criminalized it like, or like or 
like it's like it's a pro- like you can't have it there oh yeah like, no there's tithing. there's definitely countries that do but like mm-hmm. but there's a lot of them that have decriminalized absolutely yeah absolutely like the u.s we're, we're on the tail end of, yeah <laughs> big surprise know. i know you're all shocked guys yeah, I mean, we're on the tail end other, of something a lot of places that it's actually just straight up legal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is there i didn't know that you said are there a lot of places that it is illegal or oh, legal. straight up legal straight is what legal. he said yeah. Amsterdam. Amsterdam, I, mean, I know, but I, I don't know about other places. I I'm couldn't pretty, tell you. I, I'm pretty sure all drugs are decriminalized in Portugal. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's a thing. Which Oregon just did. And that's actually really interesting because I think the idea is that a lot of that funding that would have gone to putting someone in jail, because it costs a lot of money to have a person in jail, um, is instead going to different rehabilitation centers and things like that to try to help people actually get over their addictions Mm -hmm. so i mean i think that it could be really kind of huge but it just depends on if they handle it correctly which is there are places in portugal that the government has opened up for addicts that don't want to get clean that want to continue doing drugs they can do it monitored by like nurses that like administer yeah that's crazy. Yeah. Because, they like, when they get them in there, they'll start, like, talking to them about, like, all the stuff that, like, the drug is going to do to you, like, all this stuff. So they, like, try and talk them down. Oh, I but, see. So it's yeah. like trying to get an abortion in America. Kind of. They, like, make yeah. you go through a process, but kind then you of. can do the drugs if you go through the process. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. It yeah. seems like you would just not a, tell anybody and do them in your house there was if a, that were the case. There was a... Um, this like a lot of the people that are like homeless, like just like oh, I live, see. live people on the sleep. Who, or yeah. live on the sleep. Live <laughs> on the street. But um, yeah, it's uh it's really uh, in a documentary, uh, Michael Moore did it called um, Where to Invade Next, I think is what it was called. Oh man. Yeah, and um, it it was him going to different countries talking or talking about like what what could they give to the US. So he would take like a trait of their like economy and like bring it back to the U.S. But he was just like highlighting it, like Spain's like work week that was like four days a week, like six hours a day. Right. You know. Something actually. You're like home manageable. for two hours in the middle of the day for lunch. Yeah, the siesta. So. The other thing that we wanted, I mean, you kind of talked about this and mentioned this. We were talking about the opioid crisis. That's actually been like a really big contributor to, contributor to um, cannabis being decriminalized or legalized is the idea that it can help with opioid abuse. There's actually, unfortunately, not a lot of research to support that. What happened was um, when they had first legalized cannabis, I think in like Colorado and stuff like that, Um, They did a study where it came up with this data that said that opioid deaths had gone down by 25%. And everybody was like, oh, man, if we legalize, like, sorry, cannabis, if we legalize cannabis, we could actually end up solving this opioid crisis, Mm -hmm. right? And so people were really excited about it, and it ended up spurring on a lot of that. And a lot of people who were lobbying for cannabis we're using that and it turns out that there's not a great like relationship there there's actually um it it's not there's almost no change is what it comes down to yeah. and so unfortunately um 
you know, that's, it's not something that can really be proven. But one thing that was noticed um, in this one study that I read, it's called Medical Cannabis Legalization and Opioid Prescriptions, Evidence on U.S. Medicaid Enrollees During 1993 to 2014. Mm -hmm. And they measured like um, dosages and prescriptions that were given and things like that. Um, and they found that these for schedule three opioid prescriptions, uh, medical cannabis legalization was associated with a 30% reduction in number of prescriptions, a 30% reduction in dosage and a 29% reduction in related Medicaid spending. But for schedule two, um, so schedule three is like hydrocodone, oxycodone, like stuff like that. Schedule two, or sorry, that's schedule two and schedule three is like codeine. Um, so for schedule two drugs, uh, there was almost no evidence found to support the associations between cannabis legalization. So like for the serious ones, the hydrocodone and the oxycodone, that wasn't really changing. But for things like codeine, it was, and it changed by quite a lot because people were using it for pain management in a way that they, they weren't already addicted to opioids that were like serious opioids or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but those, those like prescriptions and things didn't actually change. Those dosages didn't change or anything like that. Wow. But they did with the Schedule Three drugs, which is something, you know, it shows that there is something that you can, that you can say that cannabis has a medicinal effect. Obviously it's helping these people because they're choosing that over codeine or whatever. Um, but it's not making an impact on actual opioid crisis right, numbers, right, you know, right. apparently, um, medicinal use of cannabis dates back at least 5,000 years. Oh yeah. That doesn't surprise um, me. We have, you know, it goes from the ancient Egyptians to the Chinese to, you know, the Indians, um, 1000 BC, the Indians created a drink called Bihang or Bihang. A mixture of cannabis, milk, and other ingredients. I bet that sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, so it's, I mean, um, and it, uh, sorry, it was used as an anti-phlegmatic and an anesthetic. Uh, so anti-phlegmatic. Anti what is an anti-phlegmatic? So phlegm. So it oh, like phlegm. Used to like oh, to clear eyes. out all the sinuses. Yes. I guess. Yes. Um, so anyway, there's been like, there's a like, like a long, yeah, I know, right? Just imagine that. There's a long history um, that that cannabis has been around. Um, English also documented many medicinal uses of marijuana for ailments such as menstrual cramps, convulsions, rheumatism, gout, joint pain, muscle spasms, insomnia, um, and issues during childbirth even. Uh, so, you know, the, the main question is why is it still illegal and why is it because racist still exists scary topic for people <laughs> because money i think it's because just money. it's just money and time right now like it's been this way for a long time and so there's people have an idea about it and they're not willing to change that idea mm -hmm. you know and that mm -hmm. has been reciprocated or not reciprocated it's been um I don't know the word I was thinking, but it, it we see it as this line that runs through our history for the last 90 years or so. Yeah. And, you know, there's something that can be said that for, for things that we change in our society, 
it doesn't actually take long yeah. for one of these ideas to take root. Mm -hmm. And then it takes a really long time to change that idea. Like once something is kind of built into our society, it takes a really long time to cut it out if it's something that is something we don't want anymore. But there's a huge proportion of our country who thinks that cannabis should be legalized yeah. or should be decriminalized yeah. at least there's yeah. a huge portion and um and i think that's encouraging that it's not even a party lines thing even though the congress and the senate are voting by party lines when it comes to this issue um our country actually doesn't feel that way yeah you know the majority yeah. of our country thinks that it should be decriminalized or legalized it's, you said something was very interesting Says so something very interesting. Uh, you said about 90 years ago, you know, is what like kind of where we take our um, lead from this substance or from the stigma of this substance. 1600s, um, 17th century, the production of hemp uh, was it was regularly grown. Um, earliest days of settlement, um, hemp was grown like any other crop. It was highly encouraged to make clothing, rope, and sales. 1619, the Virginia Assembly passed legislation requiring that all farmers, requiring that all farmers grow hemp. Uh, some states even traded hemp as legal tender. 1700s, George Washington was interested in farming hemp. He questioned its potential for medicinal uses um, in his journal, uh, Journals of 1765. 1840, cannabis became widely accepted in mainstream medicine and was an ingredient in many over-the-counter products. Uh, 1850, cannabis was added to the U.S. pharmacopoeia. It was used as a treatment for opioid withdrawal, pain, appetite stimulation, and relief of nausea and vomiting. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are still talking about the United States of America. 1862, Hashish candy was advertised in an issue of Vanity Fair. <laughs> yes, they've been around that, that oh, long. Wait, I did not know that. 1852 Vanity Fair, bro. I just saw a cover of Vanity Fair yeah, like the other day. Absolutely. That's so crazy. That's I didn't wild. know they've been around that long. They've been they done seen wow. some things. Yes, they have. <laughs> they done seen some things. Uh Vanity Fair quoted it as a pleasurable and harm harmless stimulant that could cure melancholy and nervousness. <laughs> Can you imagine? So my depression and anxiety could be cured? Can you imagine? 1862. <laughs> my goodness. In 1862. They were, were progressing. Your anxiety uh, side effect is uh, a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> That's on the side of the bottle. <clears throat> uh, speaking of slightly relevant. Yeah. Uh, it was a post today, uh, and they're saying, oh, a possible side effect of uh, the COVID vaccine, which just got approved by the D, uh, FDA today, um, is death. Right. <laughs> so, you know, go slowly or go roughly, right? 1900s to 1930, for three decades, cannabis was an ingredient in a variety of medications. It was marketed as a painkiller but was also used for sedation and to treat muscle spasms. Hmm. We're still talking about the United States of America. However, during that same time period, Mexican immigrants introduced recreational use, recreational use of marijuana or cannabis because the drug became associated with the Mexican immigrants. People began to fear the drug with anti-drug campaigners referring to it as the quote-unquote Mexican menace. 
1930s, my last point, I'd like to come back to the discussion here. The Great Depression resulted in job loss for many Americans. This created more fear and stigmatization of Mexican immigrants as many Americans worried they would take their jobs. Oh my God, that's literally been happening since the Great Depression. That's crazy. Did you imagine? (laughs) This led to more public concern over the dangers of cannabis. The media began to report that research showed the media began to report the research showed <laughs> that marijuana was linked to crime and violence. The media? Hmm. No. At that same time, Harry Anslinger, commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, uh. began a campaign to criminalize marijuana, claiming that it led to insanity. As a result of his efforts, by 1936, all states had some form of marijuana regulation laws. Interesting. Where did you get this article? This is on recovery.org. It is a um, American Addiction Center okay. website. And so it's I was just, just giving, curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's given a nice little background or history on cannabis. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate articles like this because. Uh, they really want to educate you right. on it. Inside of that same article, there are there is the history of other drugs, heroin, LSD, methamphetamine. So they really want you to be able to like compare and contrast. Sure. Like, oh, I'm just doing meth. They're talking about cannabis, <laughs> right? right? Well, how about we look at what meth is? Right, exactly. <laughs> and why it's bad. Why it's so bad. Please don't do meth, guys. Oh, my gosh. But I just want to come back to the group here. I, just, I really wanted to share that. Just a little bit of... Yeah. It's it's really rough. It is really rough. And it's really hard coming to terms with the fact that, like, our country is so deeply racist. Like, me, you know, we recorded a podcast this week, a special feature, which I urge you all to go watch uh, or listen to. It's a podcast. But you can also watch the video on YouTube. Um, And it's called Racism After Death. And I explore this story with um, my friend, Skylar Knox, who discovered this cemetery that is an African-American cemetery. But it is horribly overgrown in a way that you can't even imagine like it's actually really dangerous there's sinkholes and all this kind of stuff and it's just been left and it's like we don't see that in our white cemeteries right Mm -hmm. and so that kind of brings me around to this point so please please listen to it um and racism after death yeah it's it's on the spark in the valley uh feed so you can see it there um and and listen to it and tell us what you think absolutely but it brings me back to this idea that our country has like if there's one thing we can always rely on it's that things that have been huge um you know movements in our country and stuff a lot of it is racially motivated Mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of this throughout our history Mm -hmm. and this is one of those things this is one of those things that is 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 just so racist and there's i mean it's still so racist like when you asked that question earlier you're like so why are we still talking about this because it's still a huge problem the acl uh the aclu did a report in 2013 and they said that in states with the worst disparities blacks were on average over six times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than whites now the average across the country i think is four times as more is four times more likely which is still insane yeah. that's 400 to 600 yeah. percent more likely in 2010 
the black arrest rate for uh, cannabis possession was 716 per 100,000, while the white arrest rate was 192 per 100,000. Mm, mm, mm. Stated another way, a black person was four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than a white person, a disparity that increased 32.7% between 2001 and 2010. Wow. So it's actually gotten worse. Worse. So it just shows you that like Worst. we haven't learned anything. Even though we're having these big, bold discussions in our Congress and in our Senate, there's actually so much happening on the local level that is so messed up. But there's a theme here, though. There's a there's a there's a there's a middleman that is like consistent, and that is police. I was gonna say the cops. Yeah. It is police, and so. If we can attribute this quote-unquote substance or our laws to the many, many people in jail um, or that the many, many people that have suffered over this, then we need to look at the people who are directly um, responsible for enforcing those laws. Yeah. And stop and frisk, I think in New York, New York, New York yeah. was a big problem. Oh, huge problem. I think it's still a big problem. Yeah. Not as big as it was, but No, it's they don't they don't do it the same way that they used to. They I mean at the same rate. It's literally like, let me Actually I think they might have made stop and frisk like not a thing anymore. But I don't remember. I don't I don't know for sure. Um I know that it used to be really bad. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's a thing. They it's still a thing? No, no, no. They like they got rid of it. it. Yeah, yeah, I thought I had an inkling that they had gotten rid of it. Um, yeah, I mean, the implications for mass incarceration when it comes to we've already discussed this a little bit. We talked about roughly four percent of all drug arrests are related to cannabis. But in 2016, there were five hundred eighty seven thousand seven hundred cannabis arrests in the U.S., roughly 40 percent of all drug arrests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the vast majority, nearly 90 percent of these arrests were for simple possession not sailor manufacturer and we, we talked about this earlier mm. adds up to uh and i bet more arrests like, than all violent crimes which is crazy was, uh, one of those situations where it's like a whole bunch of cops just like showing up causing a scene like keeping their lights on all the time like just embarrassing these people over something that i mean it's just it it's a plan right you know yeah it, no it's it's it, a it, serious problem it, it I, I just don't understand how they can keep it like scheduled the way that it is. That's in, the, that in, in really the same, bothers me. In, in the same like schedule as some like really addictive, like, proven, proven to be addictive narcotic substances. Right. And I just I don't get it. Um, yeah. Well, I have a story. Oh yeah. If you guys want to hear it, please. Um, Okay, so I was very, very anti-drugs, anti-alcohol, anti... Yeah, I was a straight edge. Straight edge. Uh, X's on your hands. That's what that means. I did have X's on my hands. (laughs) Lots of eyeliner, too. But, um, yeah, I had never smoked. I had never drank. Um, And uh, at the time, I was a touring musician um, full-time. And so I was in Colorado. I was about 26. And... One of my favorite bands, I won't name which band, but I was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, not, not partiers, but they offered me, uh, they were smoking like a medical grade blunt that they had just got from the dispensary. And, uh, this was about 2015, so it was legal at the time, recreationally. So I'm like, you know what? My favorite band offers me, um, some weed. I'll, I'm going to smoke it. It's legal. Right. Um, 
So I do, and I didn't know what I was expecting. I'd never done any kind of mind-altering anything. And not that bad yeah you know it wasn't you know like the first couple times you do it it's, uh, it's an experience but it's like if I didn't drink till I was around that time too and uh, I'd say the drinking was far worse oh yeah um, but uh, growing up and not ever doing it or trying it it was uh, my perspective was very skewed on what it is now um, as someone who has um, I have tried um alcohol i've tried you know weed and stuff and it's like my perspective um before i had ever experienced it or been around someone because i used to push people away that were into that because right um you know dare worked on me for a right <laughs> dare worked for you yeah no i thought i mean i thought it was something that degenerate people did right uh until and i also did not have very many friends uh, oh <laughs> So sad. But I have lots of great friends. Not that they all smoke. Not all my friends smoke. <laughs> but um, you're like the, Adam ruins everything. He doesn't get any get any invites. But you know, it's uh, the the kind of people that don't discriminate against someone who uh, uses something. And it's like medically. So yeah, that's just that's my uh, story about perspective and, and sure. Uh, if uh, if you haven't tried it. You don't have to try it, but <laughs> maybe you should. Are you now advocating for it? I'm not advocating. I mean, the CBD oil works great for yeah. CBD for a lot oil of is amazing. Have you ever, have you ever seen like, a dog with arthritis and then they start yeah. giving the dogs CBD oil? The CBD yeah, my aunt. Yeah. CBD products in general have so many like really good qualities to them. Like their CBD salve is really good for like muscle relaxing. Yeah. Like you just kind of like it's like a little lotion and kind of like menthols up. It, pain relief and stuff like that it's really nice you know not just cbd oil if you are against cannabis or marijuana i urge you to go and watch a video of a child getting administered um their cannabis i guess it's like when it, they're having seizures? Yeah, when they're having yeah. a seizure. It's incredible. It is incredible. And people with Parkinson's disease, too, who Absolutely. constantly shake. Absolutely. Oh, it's amazing. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so those videos always make me cry. Yeah. I'm, like, so soft-hearted, and I, I just, I am, I, they I'm always make me cry. Get an implant when they have never, Never heard, heard before. before. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. it's it's yeah. exactly when somebody finds relief after they have literally been constantly shaking every second of their lives for God only knows how long. Like the relief alone, that's what makes me cry. Is like then, I feel so much for them. And then imagine you know? the child who came oh, yeah. into this world only experiencing that and not right. even really knowing what's going on. Yeah. And a substance that was made illegal under racist um, ideas is preventing that child from living a quality of life right that's honestly if you're against it no one is asking you to partake in it but i urge you personally to go and watch you know many 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 stories out there that are available for all of us to see we for madness is <laughs> not one it's that not I one of those <laughs> but very racist actually but um on that 
on that term on that topic uh reefer madness was a part of the slander campaign that the media oh yeah including hollywood unfortunately at that time was in on um and let's see reefer madness came out it's 39 36 close reefer madness was released uh (laughs) 1936 this was right after Anslinger um, spoke to Congress during the Great Depression is that is was I right was that the year it was prohibited what's that I'm sorry 36 does it say 36 yeah uh, as a result by his efforts in 1936 all states had some form of cannabis regulation laws yeah the film reefer madness was released it depicted uh, marijuana as a drug that could lead to violence rape suicide and psychosis mm-hmm. So imagine all these people, you know, that are just now getting a TV for the first time, to be honest with you. Right. Like, oh, let me get to see that, you know. Oh, I don't even think they had TVs No, no. Then. They, would, they, they, would, they would have seen them in the movies. They would go to see Okay, yeah. yeah. Didn't even get the, it. Yeah. The Nickelodeon down the road. I think it's the, <laughs> the Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. That's yeah. This is when they started having TVs yeah. in their house. There you go. There you go. Um, and Nickel. 1937, the Marijuana Tax Act was passed, which restricted marijuana use to only those that could pay a heavy excise tax. Yeah, there's like a 30% tax in Colorado. I read that today. Really? In the one of the Washington Post. There's expensive. like several, there's several different taxes that add up to about oh. 30%. So they're making bank, which is like, that is one of the biggest arguments for it, right? Is that we could probably fix the deficit if yeah. we federally yeah. legalized uh, cannabis and they but, were taxing it. If there was even a small tax on it, they could make so much money that we could probably fix our deficit. If it gets legalized, and let's say it's ha- it, it's not going to get rid of this underground market for oh, it. No. Though. No, people are still going to buy it illegally. They're still selling it illegally in Colorado. It's right. And people go to jail for that because it's illegal. Mm-hmm. Even though it's been legalized, it's so, not legal for yeah. them to be selling it because it's not regulated. So, you know, and they're not getting taxed on it. Let's right. be honest. That's the biggest problem is that they're not making tax money off it. So they're absolutely going to put you in jail for that, you know. Mm-hmm. But those huge windfalls that they have, like in Colorado, have allowed them to fund initiatives like combating homelessness and they put 35 million dollars towards building new schools because they've made so much freaking money yeah. off of this in just colorado alone. just one state just one state that's wild and you know that that federal tax would just go on top of whatever the state was taxing so yeah it would be more expensive but also those taxes would you know like we would hope would go to helping people more than they would be or helping fix things like our infrastructure or the green new deal or universal health care or free college or all of the things that we could really use as a country that would be that everybody wants to ask the question how can they be funded this is probably how they could be funded we could probably make more money this way than any other way and, and I had the question, like, does supply and demand dictate that there'd be, like, a huge influx of cash and then it would deflate? Like, would it fall off? Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the case because Mm-mm. the states have not seen that trend. No. And their, and their, you know, regulation of it and everything. I don't think that it would be any different. I think that it would be, and if they just kept a mandated tax on that, I, I think that they would be just making money hand over fist, you know? Mm-mm-mm. Which is not necessarily a, a good reason, but it is a reason. 
you know, like, I don't know how much you agree with that, but it, you know, it is a reason that, right. that maybe legalization would be a good idea for our country because it might help us in a way that we're kind of severely hurting yeah, right now. Like absolutely. we have such a huge deficit. Absolutely. And there's so many things that we need in this country, things like universal health care. That, and that's always the question from Republicans, right? It's like, well, how are we going to pay for it? How are we going to fund it? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's yeah. my answer. Well, uh, I mean... We didn't talk about anything negative, but there are people who think that there are negative things about it. There are th- people who think that it'll affect workplace behavior. There are people who think that it will, you know, um, that people who do it are degenerates. So, well, listen, well the just, workplace thing can be mandated. Like you can be, yeah, you can say oh, you can't smoke weed if you work here. Even yeah, if it's illegal. I was thing. just about to say yeah. that yeah. the United States, you know, military, they're not going to say just because uh, it's federally legal. Like everybody can start smoking weed and right. do whatever they want to do. You know, but I mean, they big, can. They can smoke and they can drink cigarettes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're right. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So what happens after prohibition? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. What happens after it? I mean, it's just would it just become just another thing? You're right. Because you're right. You can't drink, you know, while you're working. You can't be inebriated. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's the thing is that it's just like it's just like now. Like I have a friend. Not going to name them, but. They go to work inebriated all the time. Drunk? No. Oh. Yeah, yeah what we're talking about okay. now. They they smoke. And so, and, and you know, that's like, at the end of the day, they get their job done. Right. They probably shouldn't. Right. And most people are going to feel right. that way, I think. I think most people are like, <laughs> I don't particularly want to go to work high. If you know what I mean? If you're operating heavy machinery. Right, things like that. And you go to the kitchen. Right. I don't ever worked with a cook that wasn't. No, that is so true. <laughs> that is so true. If somebody's life is in your hands, you probably should. If you're driving, if you're flying a plane, driving a bus. Right, like all of those things, ap- absolutely. Taxi, like, you know. You don't need to be right. stuck. Uber, you don't need to be. But there's nothing stopping people from i mean other than the fact that it's illegal there's a lot of people who use it anyway and who are doing those things already like you know what i mean like you're not really changing that much i don't think there's a huge proportion of people who are like oh i'm gonna start using it because it's legal now yeah i think there's people who use it and people who don't and you know it is what it is kind of deal but i would i don't know i mean that's just me speculating the main issue is, is that it is a Schedule One, and that it That's has a huge issue. prevented yeah, the, scientists and doctors from studying its benefits. And also, just, just the mass incarceration the thing. I mean, that's oh, gosh. huge. Absolutely. Also, I just it's want just to shout out Thirteen because everybody should watch Thirteen. Thirteen is the, the documentary about mass incarceration, deep. especially disproportionate to Black yeah. males. It watch is. It. It's deep and it's watch heavy, it. but it's so good. We it's so good, and it's so time. much good info. We don't have time in 2021 for you to keep saying, "Oh, I can't watch that kind of stuff because." Yeah, time. it's time. It's yeah. time, guys. Yeah, definitely Get watch educated. it. Um, yeah, but but aside from the lack of study, you know, it's general like um, the roots of it being uh, criminalized over false. I don't know a false narrative. Oh yeah, um, it is aiding to. It's 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 a big spotlight. It's a, it's helping you know to create a big spotlight on mass incarceration in America, and we spend a lot of money. You know how much money it costs to keep somebody in jail for it's a year? A lot of money. It's so much money. 
It's, I, I think I saw somewhere it's like $100,000. Wow. It, it doesn't seem like it should be that per much. Per person. May, yeah. Look it up and see. Okay. I might be wrong. Okay. I might be okay. wrong. Um, don't don't quote me on that one. Speaking of things to not quote me on, um, last week I was talking about an episode of The Nod where they were we were talking about um, this family and how they still had a relationship with the family that had essentially owned them, you know, during slavery times and things like that. It is from The Nod, and the episodes are The Hairstons Part 1 and 2. And that was their name. I was trying to remember their name. It's The Hairstons and The Harstons. Same name, just said differently. Um, for the white family and the black family, which I think is very, it, it was very common and I think is very interesting. That but The Nod. The Nod is the name of the podcast. Okay. And uh, it's really good. You should absolutely listen to it. It's shout a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, shout out to really The good. Nod. Okay, we'll check that out. Um, this is from LAO, Legislative Analyst's Office, the California Legislator's Nonpartisan Fiscal and Policy Advisor, uh, how much does it cost to incarcerate an inmate? California's annual cost to incarcerate an inmate in prison. This is from 2018, 2019. It literally has like a broken down like list. Wow. There's how a much is list, it? bro. You are very close. I'm close. It was close. On average, it costs eighty one thousand dollars. I thought it was I thought it was up there per, per year. Inmate. I'd be interested to see how that breaks down. Oh, it's, there's it a little breakdown down. here. They got security, inmate health care, uh, fa- uh, facility operations and records, administration, inmate food and activities, rehabilitation programs, quote unquote miscellaneous, which is only $375 for some reason. It's probably things like libraries and art teachers and that kind of thing. Now, now hold up now. Rehabilitation programs. The whole war on drugs was supposed to be about. Right rehabbing people that have problems. But they never actually did any of that. Ever. No. It's just putting people in jail. Like, I don't and, know that there's really that many rehab taxpayers programs. taxpayers like a shit ton of fucking money right there's now. Oh, yeah. programs in prisons and jails for people like that. Not here, but there are... <laughs> Not here. <laughs> okay, I work, I work with a lot of people that are... Uh, a lot of felons. Yeah. Um, just in, in the glass business, that's just something that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um... And uh, a lot of them have talked about different places they've spent time. And there's this one within like a few hours of here, they always hope that they get sent to. And they have like rec time. They can learn how they take college classes, like that are real classes. Right. Uh, yeah. And there's like motorcycle shops and, and like all kinds of crazy, like, I want to go there. <laughs> kind of thing. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, that's the way that the, that kind of thing is funded. That's it's, crazy. That is um, intense. Because, uh, I mean, if pr- prisons are for profit, I mean... I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just... I'm curious how some of them afford better care. Or is it just a thing they... Oh, I care more about the rehabilitation of these people. Or is it because they have more money? Yeah. I don't know. Where's that? I really doubt it's because they care about anybody. Where's that standard come from? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's an interesting uh, question. Yeah. Um... Also, glass business, not methamphetamine. I, I cut mirror um, <laughs> and uh, I install shower doors. He, he really he actually cuts glass. With what? With a tool. With a diamond tip glass cutter. There you go. Uh, TC-17. There is you the, go. Uh, so you do TC-17? 
I don't do it. I use a tool that I use to kind oh of my like God. class. Um, 1960s cannabis gained popularity among the counterculture who considered it harmless high. Um, it was it, its use was popular among uh, college students, free-spirited beats. I don't even know what that Beat means. Ah, uh, anti-war activists, hippies, and other youth. John F. Kennedy and Vice President Lyndon Johnson commissioned reports that found that marijuana did not induce violence or lead to the use of other more dangerous drugs. Wow. I did not know that. Which, what did we hear the entire time we were in like health class in right. high school? It, it's, it's a, a gateway, gateway drug. drug. Yeah. It's a gateway. And they're literally saying they proved that it was not. In the 60s, they said that it actually isn't. Wow. Um, 65 to 70, cannabis arrests on state level increased tenfold as authorities began to crack down on marijuana use and distribution. And then in the and then uh, 1970, Congress passed the Controlled Substances Act, as the, the top of it there, which placed marijuana as a Schedule One drug along with LSD and heroin. According to the act, marijuana had no medicinal value and a high potential for abuse, giving it harsher criminal penalties. This law made it difficult for doctors and scientists to study marijuana and its many uses. And, you know, that brings us back to that conversation about the mass incarceration. Um, you know, it, it has been for a long time a concern of the overuse of police presence and, and police authority. Yeah. And, you know, to me personally, the Controlled Substances Act just gave police an excuse mm-hmm. to be more aggressive. Yeah, I agree. You I know. think that it just added fuel to the fire. So if we look at that um, Controlled Substance, Substances Act, if we look at it being a, a Schedule 1 and we reduce those penalties or those that, 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 that crime behind it, yeah, then we can possibly attack this I think it's a huge step in the right direction for solving mass incarceration Mm. and especially when you look at the numbers comparatively for black men Mm. I mean that is a huge problem we have in our prisons to begin with and then you're looking at it and you're saying how do these things correlate okay we're seeing huge proportions of people who are being arrested for cannabis are black huge proportion of people in prisons are black Mm -hmm. how do we solve this problem okay we decriminalize this and we let those people out of prison and then suddenly but the problem is that prisons are for profit so they don't want to let them out they're making too much money off of them they're also using them as slaves essentially they pay them a slave wage they pay them nothing to work in their factories and they usually do dangerous jobs and it's just it's and state to state the laws are not consistent either like louisiana they have a three strike law but then in new orleans it's different it's decriminalized there wow yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Like you just hop over a county line and you're like, hey, right. you better have a blunt in your pocket. They don't have counties in Louisiana. They're parishes. My bad. Parishes. Sorry. 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 Yeah. Hop over a parish Whatever. swamp land there. Swamp land. <laughs> it's all swamp. It's all swamp. It's all Well, where I live visit. is a swamp. I still yeah. want to go visit. I'm going to be careful oh, yes. about where I We're going to do a on location in the middle of the swamp. That would be awesome. Yeah, an alligator. That would be awesome. No, as soon as this 
crap is over with COVID, we should all take a trip home. We can stay with my family. Oh, we're going. And it would be so fun. Yeah. We could go into New Orleans for a few days and get an Airbnb. It'd be really fun. Yeah. Well, there is a positive to this conversation as we close out. Um, there is a group called The Last Prisoner Project. You can go look them up at thelastprisonerproject.org. They are dedicated to um, freeing every last prisoner of the unjust war on drugs, starting with 40,000 people in prison for cannabis offenses uh, legal in most states. And I saw like a little like documentary on them, and it was very interesting. A lot of smiling faces, a lot of people that were out of jail that were yeah. supporting with them. Um, and they were talking about just how much that they helped change their lives once they got out of Amazing. prison. So cool. Yeah, just check that out. There are groups working actively, um, not more or less just talking about it, but trying to work with legislation in helping lives. These people are human. Yeah. These are human beings. Yeah. They didn't murder anyone. They didn't no. kill anyone's dog. You know. Yeah. Why is this making up such a huge portion of the people who are in jail? Like, it's just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It really doesn't. Yeah. You know, when you have it that it's legalized medicinally or recreationally in like 29 states or something like that like the fact of the matter is we should be past this by now yeah. like we should have moved in a direction where there are not 40 percent of the arrests made in a year and drug arrests made in a year right. are because of cannabis right, like right, that right. just seems silly right. it seems like it's just being used as an excuse to put black people in jail so these jails can make more money right and the idea is that these people go to jail they can't make bail they go to their court date and they're stuck in jail because they don't have the money to yeah. get help. Yeah, which brings me to my action whatever. point. Go watch 13. <laughs> Please go watch 13. It's, it's a, on Netflix. It's just I don't cycle. think I've seen it. It's a you haven't cycle. seen it? Oh, man, it's we got to watch cycle. it. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And, and watching it you'll just have a better understanding and yeah it's heavy but it's important so please go watch is it that's your action, action that's my action point, point? Okay. go watch 13 okay. not directly related to this but definitely correlates mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anybody else me <laughs> do you have an action point or no hmm. not really <laughs> that's okay yeah not really um Action point as always. I mean, you know, be a good person. Be yeah, good person. love like, each other. Don't empathize. Be a dick. empathize <laughs> or that. You know? yeah. yeah, empathize. That's a big one. Um, think, think about somebody that's not yourself. Mm. Maybe, maybe something that you don't like has a lot that can help somebody else. And maybe something that someone else doesn't like helps you a lot. Mm -hmm. So, why don't you just get over it? <laughs> just have some empathy not super difficult let's definitely try to educate ourselves on the different um, you know issues that are that is plaguing America on the topic of cannabis uh, and as JP said you know just doing that is going to help you think about somebody else it's going to help you think about somebody else's uh, situation just because it's not affecting you doesn't mean you can't go learn about it and then help others who are trying to help someone who has been affected by that situation. Yeah. Um, 
And there's so much literature out there, guys, about this topic. Like, there's so many academic journal articles about it. You can look up pretty much anything like Mm -hmm. cannabis and opioid crisis, cannabis and mass incarceration, cannabis and crime rates. Like, you can look up any of those things. You're going to get some scholarly journals. Try to read the academic journals. I found several. Several of my sources were from the Washington Post. But also I found uh, one of mine was from the Addiction Research Report, which is a scholarly journal. And then also one was from the Contemporary drug problems journal um and all of these are things that can that can educate you so just try just read one article you know do something to educate yourself a little bit and and see you know and if you agree with us or agree with what we're talking about um and think that it should be decriminalized or maybe you think it should be legalized um read about it so you can support that you know that's a good more than just this one topic. Yeah, it goes for all of our yeah, topics. Look at both sides of any argument. Mm-hmm. Yes, Otherwise, you should you always be critical. Mm-hmm. I tell my students that all the time. Point, yes. <laughs> I forgot to make one. There you go. Be critical. That's a be good critical. one. That's good. That's a good one. Good. And with that being said, guys, um, I think we're kind of coming to a close here. And I just wanted to let you all know that we'll have an episode coming out um, next week. And then we're taking a short hiatus for the holidays. It's a very um, special episode. Yeah, yes. next week is, is going to be special. You guys are going to love it. Um, and please go check out Racism After Death. It's in the Spark in the Valley yes. uh, feed. Please go watch uh, go watch it on YouTube or listen to it anywhere that you, you know, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, and, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Please let us know. And please like and subscribe to our uh, social media, which is Spark in the Valley uh, for Facebook and for Instagram yes. and for our YouTube as well. And um, if you can rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to podcasts, that helps us out immensely. Um, so please, if you could rate and, and review us, hopefully a good rating and a good review, um, <laughs> that would be wonderful. We actually got a really awesome review this week. Yeah. Um, so you. shout out to, I think it was Rachel. I think her name was Rachel. Uh, shout out to you. Thank you so much for the wonderful review. And um, we'll see you guys in a few weeks. Yes. Happy holidays. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. Happy uh, holiday. Yeah, that's all encompassing. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. Cody here. I'm now going to play you a clip from our new special, Racism After Death. Um, I produced this uh, with hosts Alex Sharp and Skylar Knox. Uh, Skylar did all the research um, and brought this to our attention. Um, I hope you enjoy this clip, and if you'd like to hear the rest of the episode, uh, it's on our channel. Uh, Just look up Racism After Death. And today we're actually having a special feature, um, and we have Skylar Knox here with us. So, Skylar, why don't you tell me your story? Hey. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Um, Well, uh, first, my little uh, disclaimer is that I am a a white woman. and uh, am I. (laughs) Yes, right. And But I really... I have different sorts of resources and privilege that I'm taking 
and I'm going to do the best things that I can with it. I think that that's our responsibility. And that really never really hit me before until you're facing with like a huge reality. Sure. Um, so I guess we'll just start from the beginning. Yeah. I have a friend who really enjoys paying uh, tribute and laying flowers um, in local cemeteries. And she's interested in ones that are usually like small family areas or smaller plots. But she came across this um, cemetery uh, and it, it just it blew her mind. And she called me and she's having a whole moment because she is just blown away by what she just saw and And where is this cemetery this is actually uh it's the cemetery is called eastport african-american cemetery um but it's also known as the good citizens cemetery Mm -hmm. which makes this story (laughs) all that much more um, important to tell so uh my my girlfriend she comes Um, And she's telling me about everything she's seeing. And um, I really wanted to see it. And I had some flowers at the house. And I told her, like, well, let's go over there and put them on there. And when you picture, like, a forgotten or an abandoned graveyard, you kind of get that image of, you know, trees and a little bit of overgrown grass and what you would imagine or see in a, in a, a movie. Right. Just a little spook factor. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> this was the most shocking thing I've seen. Right. And it's in our own backyard. <laughs> yeah. So. And this is in Knoxville. Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. And I am. Ju- I was just blown away. So, sh- so we go there, and it's not just overgrown. I would advise for nobody to try to go in further than what you can see. Right. Um, of course, I pushed it. <laughs> yeah. But I had someone with me. I had, like, you know, I wasn't alone. I wasn't, I was very aware of daylight, like, and I had to know. Yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> so as a disclaimer. What did, you, what did you find? Well, so when we first go in, on the fence line, you see a couple of headstones. Mm-hmm. And there's a little plot up on, on the top, like on the corner, um, that is the only piece of land that's actually been maintained from uh, like the, a small family. And I'll tell you more about that. But we go in and you're moving branches and you start seeing like poking up of headstones yeah, and knocked over things. But not just that, but you, you can't see the majority of them. There is thousands of people buried here and I could find maybe 30 tombs like uh tombstones oh wow yes that's crazy and it is just like overgrown with katsu Mm. and sinkholes and I'm sinkholes yes grave slip coffin collapse I don't know if imagine like just this just massive mound shaped like a coffin oh with spooky. like yes Ooh. and these sinkholes are, are have been just so sh- sudden and sh- like just dropped that the roots of the trees are coming out of the side wow. and it's been neglected for so long that trees are literally wrapping around headstones wow and so safe to say pretty dangerous oh incredibly dangerous oh. 
Spark in the Valley is a Purple Mountain Pods production. It is hosted by Julius Johnson, Alex Sharp, John Pierre Vasquez, and Cody Hensley. This podcast is produced and directed by Julius Johnson and co-produced by Alex Sharp, John Pierre Vasquez, and Cody Hensley. Music supervising and original music by Cody Hensley. Studio engineering and management by Rob Barnett. Research supervision by Alex Sharp. Social media management by John Pierre Vasquez. Special thanks to the Mink County Democratic Party and the McMinn 